0: Today's episode is brought to you by Mauerbytes Premium. Protect your computers and devices from cyber attacks 24-7 with Mauerbytes Premium. And go to mauerbytes.com slash lock and code for an exclusive offer. That's mauerbytes.com slash lock and code.
1: Making fake IDs, even photos of fake IDs, is like a very particular skill set. It's like a trade, right, in the criminal underground.
0: You don't need that anymore. This is Lock and Code, a Mauerbytes podcast. I'm your host, David Reese. Our main story today is about artificial intelligence and fraud. In cybersecurity, AI has already caused a small panic, but it's likely to get bigger. In January, the British National Cybersecurity Center warned that AI will increase the volume and the severity of ransomware attacks, as generative AI tools will be used to create more effective phishing lures, and as capabilities in summarization will be used to better analyze reams of stolen data, making for more pressing extortion attempts. Interestingly, that same capability was the focus of a prior episode on this show where we spoke about the potential for companies and governments to use AI to engage in mass spying by asking questions of the data they've already collected about us. Separately, of course, there's also the already proven threat of using AI image generation to create explicit and pornographic images, as has already happened to the megastar Taylor Swift and could happen in the future to everyday non-celebrities. But in speaking about image generation, what if, say, cybercriminals could use AI to vouch for the existence of fake people? And, okay, no, I'm not talking about some near sci-fi stuff. I'm actually, I'm just talking about fake IDs, okay? So, last month, the technology reporting outfit, 404 Media, investigated an online service called OnlyFake that claimed to use artificial intelligence to pump out images of fake IDs. Now, these aren't the type of fake IDs that most people probably first think about when they hear this topic, which is uh, teens buying physical cards to purchase booze or to get into bars, right? Instead, what only fake offered were convincing images of real forms of ID be they driver's licenses in California or passports from the US, the UK, Mexico, Canada, Japan, wherever, right? And those images could then be used to fraudulently pass identification checks on certain websites. That includes websites for cryptocurrency exchanges, where to create a functional trading and investment account, users frequently have to upload a photo of their ID and submit it for approval. That type of approval process could also one day include pornography websites in certain U.S. states that are toying with the idea of age verification mechanisms for viewing adult content online. But where that latter example is currently a hypothetical, the work done by 404 Media was not <laughs> by creating a fraudulent British passport through only fake 404 Media co-founder and reporter Joseph Cox, or as his fake ID said, David Creeks, managed to verify his false identity when creating an account with the cryptocurrency market OKX. Today, to help us understand only fake the fake online ID space, and the implications of AI-assisted fraud, we're speaking with 404 Media co-founder Joseph Cox. Joseph, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show. Um, Let's get right into a lot of what's happening here. And so I think most listeners do not have a familiarity with fake IDs like online. And so I want to start super basic here. What did you do and how did you do it, right? What did you make on this site called OnlyFake? What did it look like? How convincing was the end product? Initially, I
1: heard about this website when a security researcher shared a post about it on LinkedIn. They didn't name the website, but they said that Russian language cyber criminals were using this site to generate photos of fake IDs. I thought, wow, that sounds pretty interesting. I dug around and after a little while, I found the website, as you say, only fake. And It's slick, it's very professional. You go to the domain, you create an account, you log in, and you're basically given a dashboard and there's where you can enter a name, an address, you know, maybe biographical information like height or eye color of the ID asks for that. You can select, as you say, all of these different sorts of countries, uh, the ID type, passport, driver's license. You can generate a pretty convincing looking signature and then you can upload a passport style photo of yourself, or theoretically anybody else, uh, or use a bank of images that they, they have as well. And it really is as simple as doing all of that, which can be very quick, or uploading an Excel spreadsheet with that data. You hit generate, and then when you're given the preview of what the ID looks like, you can choose to accept it, and then you pay, and your Bitcoins are released. It's very streamlined. It's very straightforward. And as for what that final product actually looks like, as you say, obviously it's not a fake ID you hold in your hands. You know that that's almost a, a completely different sector of crime, right? You know, cyber or physical. Here, it is a super realistic photo. Of an ID laying on a surface. So in some of the ones we saw, there was like a marble or granite sort of kitchen top. It looked like the ID was sat on that. Another was, I think, like a bedspread. It had like a real fabric quality to it. And then the one I made, uh, which was the California ID at first and a passport later, that looked like it was on a really fluffy carpet. And just the fact that it has all those backgrounds as well as the ID itself being, I think, very convincing when you look at it. The fact that there's this photo of it laying on a pretty convincing surface as well, I think it just adds to its potential power in the cybercrime ecosystem.
0: Yeah, I've seen the photos in the story and you're right. It is this availability and this realism of the backgrounds. You know, it's a photo, it's an ID lying down on a carpet or on a marble countertop. And it's it's identical to the things that we do, right? When we take photos of our IDs, like I just put it on my couch, I put it on the closest surface and it's so good at that mimicry um, that it it looks spot on. I I did want to ask here, what are the limitations of only fake, right? Because it did seem like, you know, like the world is your oyster from the things that you were explaining here. You can kind of do anything, but are there limitations of only fake? Are there limitations in terms of like, it only has a certain number of countries that it can uh, produce viable like fakes for? Or is it even stuff like, can you only make a certain number? Are you limited only by payments? Kind of just, what are the limitations?
1: It's kind of crazy. How few limitations there are on this, really. Like the the main limitation, which again is the obvious one that I mentioned, is like the lack of physicality. But apart from that, it is super cheap. I paid $15 for one test. You can get a hundred dollar sort of bulk plan or even a one thousand dollar pro plan in the same way you do any software as a service. So it's cheap. It's also, as I said, very very quick. I mean, I was haphazardly, fat fingerly typing in my David Creek's fake information, and if you were a professional criminal, you could do it a lot quicker than I did. And the generation itself takes one two minutes maximum, so it's fast there as well. And yeah, beyond that, there's just really no limitations beyond what you can think up, what to do with this, which I'm sure we'll talk about. The only other one, I guess would be in that you still need to enter i don't know believable fake information you know like <laughs> y- you can't you can't just enter in completely random characters because that would obviously be ridiculous right and you can like randomize some of the information, I think you can generate maybe the the passport number or something like that. Now, is that going to convince somebody with an intimate, or a system, with an intimate knowledge of passports, let's say? Maybe, maybe not. It really depends on the system, right? But generally speaking, there aren't that many limitations. I, I was shocked by that.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the limitations are more so in whether or not it will be found out, like it will be caught when used in a separate system. Like I could imagine that if I created a fake passport or a fake uh, ID and I said, oh, I want to get here in the States, right, TSA pre-check to go through airports more quickly, one would hope that the Department of Homeland Security's online site would be like, that's not a passport. That's a fake number. That's, <laughs> that has never been registered to anyone before. One would hope. But it seems, again, here, the limitation is not on what only fake can create. It's more so on what other websites can catch, uh, which is worrying. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's more on what you can come up with and the systems that are there that are supposed to catch this sort of thing, basically.
0: Yeah. So in your investigation, right, you used an only fake ID, uh, we said here, right, the British passport version where you use this name, David Creeks, and you used that to verify an account on this cryptocurrency exchange called OKX. One thing I'm interested in is why was this the test case? How did you come up with doing this as like, OK, this is what we're going to launch?
1: Yeah, that, uh, I think that's a very fair question. And it's because in the weeks preceding this investigation, I'd been reading a lot of court records about. Uh, pig butchering scams, right? Where I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know about this, where scammers will find targets and they'll keep fattening them up, so to speak, and extract more and more value out of them. And you know, I think I covered one case where 40 million dollars went through a cryptocurrency account. And you know, and there there are ones that get even bigger than that. You know, yeah. so I was going through a lot of these court records in the recent weeks, and then. OKX okay, kept coming up in those records. Now that's not to say that you know OKX okay, is exclusively used by criminals. That would be ridiculous. It's also not mm-hmm. to say that OKX okay, is maybe the preferred choice or anything you know, anything like that. It's just well, in the cases I'm reading right now, OKX okay, is in there. I, like, I don't know how else to uh, <laughs> put it. You know, essentially, like like it's in black and white in the in the indictments and in the court records. So I thought, well, well, the interesting part in that was that the investigators in those cases, when they're trying to figure out who's behind these scams, they very predictably go to OKX and they're like, can we have the ID of who is behind this account? And then OKX obviously would provide it to US enforcement. Yeah. And that would give the the real name of the, uh, the alleged scammer and the, and the suspect in the case. So I thought, well... What if smarter criminals, which we know they certainly do, either Mm -hmm. used a cutout, you know, you get somebody else to open the cryptocurrency exchange account for you, or what if they use a fake ID? And then that's why I decided to target OKX specifically with this sort of fake ID site.
0: And it worked, right?
1: Like it just worked? Uh, yes, it really is that simple. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean <laughs> yeah. to, to run yeah. you through it, it was—I think it was a Saturday because I'd been like working on the investigation during the week, and yeah. I did want to move on this very, very quickly. So I decided to work yeah. on it over the weekend as well. I originally was going to do it with a California driver's license, which is the first ID I generated, which also looked very convincing. But the cryptocurrency exchange, I think, notably. Doesn't actually allow you to use US IDs because of US regulations, I believe. And like, that's not, you know, necessarily a smoking gun. You don't have to, if you're a company not operating the US, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But when we're talking about money laundering, that was interesting to me, at least. So anyway, I generate the British passport and then I go and I do the test. And it's exactly what uh, you would expect. It says, please take a photo of your ID. Well, I don't have the physical ID, obviously. So I end up taking a photo of the photo. I'm holding up my iPad to my laptop, taking a photo of the photo, which is on there. And I was like, well, this is stupid. This isn't going to work. And it it immediately accepted it. I was like, oh, okay. There is then the second part of the verification. And I would stress that this test was to specifically probe the document recognition part of it, right? There is always a second part of KYC checks, know your customer checks, which is, you know, the selfie that you have to take. Mm, Um, So it asked me to take a selfie and I used my real face, you know, I used a fake name, but my real face. And that's for a number of reasons. Again, I wanted to test the document verification, not the selfie verification. And I also didn't want to use, you know, a random person's face and implicate them you know with somebody I don't know maybe I could have done it with a co-founder and their face etc but that honestly didn't come to mind I was just focused on the document but then I do that and it says you know you've passed the identity verification check and then sat on the sofa on that Saturday evening I just texted my or four media co-founders in our signal group chat and they were like wow <laughs> okay <laughs>
0: It vaguely reminds me of uh, in like days of yesteryear where if you used a credit card sometimes a vendor would check like in person if your signature matched up with like the signature on the credit card which i thought was interesting and then i remember one time i was in line and like my dad used his credit card and there wasn't a signature on his card like he never really remembered to sign his own card and so then they were like oh we need to see if it matches up so he wrote his signature on the card and then on a piece of paper and of course they matched up yes (laughs) he's the same man. <laughs> yes, he literally just did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like, well, yeah, you used your photo for the fake ID and then the selfie is like, yep, that yeah, that's you. Like, yes, the <laughs> way to go. <laughs> right, exactly. And
1: look, there, there are more elaborate tests you could do, and, and maybe in the future we could do that. But I would just bring up, like, you know, we've heard reports of various criminals using Hollywood level fake masks and that sort of thing to get oh. past KYC checks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I was testing the fake IDs. I'm not testing masks. <laughs> like that, that, that's another thing. But there's a world in which you could do that as well.
0: Yeah. Speaking of right, this world of where you can do other things, I, I wanted to broaden the question, right? What other types of fraud or crime could be accomplished with like, a tool like OnlyFake?
1: There are a lot, and I keep coming across new ones every day. And again, mine was to bypass KYC and creating an account. Another one might be that if the account gets locked because of suspicious activity and they're like, hey, wait, we need you to provide your identity, you could then do it for that as well. So there's almost like a secondary sort of approach there as well. You then obviously have bank fraud, but that would, I don't know, probably a little bit more tricky because you'd have to potentially go in person to the bank. It really depends. But I think the two other ones to me are harassment, as in, yes, I uploaded a photo of my face, but I could easily make a fake ID of I don't know, like an ex-lover who I'm now angry at and I'm an abusive partner and I want to make a fake ID to then contact their utility company to cut off their electricity or their water or something, something like that. I can definitely definitely see it being used for abuse and harassment. And then the sort of connected to that is just straight up identity fraud where, well, I have a target in mind. I'm not going to use Uh, My face, I'm going to use theirs on the ID. And maybe I don't need to even pass a selfie check because I'm just making an ID to send to whoever. Or maybe I even want to go to one of these porn websites where they now ask for IDs of the performers. Hey, look, I'm going to make a fake video of somebody. You can see I'm going uh, like I'm speculating a little bit, but that's because we really are getting to the scary future where this sort of stuff is possible. And we don't quite know the implications of all of this just yet.
0: It is scary because like you said, we don't know the implications. And also on that similar note of like harassment, I immediately thought about the amount of people in my life who I do know basic ID information for a good number of people in my life. Like I know their height, I know their relative weight. I have photos of them that I feel like could be used to make fake IDs of them. And so it just kind of puts into perspective like, the the ring of potential harassment that a person could cause, you know, around them is, I don't know if it's bigger, if it's wider, but it can be acted on, you know, in a way that I hadn't considered before because of a tool like this, which is, it's something to think about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, especially something that should be stressed is that, look, there are always going to be abusive people and always harassers. But Mm -hmm. the point here is that you don't need to be a criminal mastermind to use this website. You don't even need to be You don't need to have any skill set, basically, in making fake IDs because this website does it all for you. And making fake IDs, even photos of fake IDs, is like a very particular skill set. It's like a trade, right, in the criminal underground.
0: You don't need that anymore. Yeah. I wanted to shift to just like the fake ID marketplace online, right, because I don't really know anything about it. And so I would love to just learn more about like, what is it like online to get what only fake is offering right not the not the physical cards but just images of fake IDs do we know anything in terms of scope in terms of number of sites uh, anything like that just to help us get a understanding of the, of this world i
1: don't have exact data but there are definitely other sites i've already seen <laughs> other sites after i published this one and yeah. sort of my suspicion is that this has been going on for quite a while but it sort of bubbled up to the surface now because this particular site says it's using neural networks in some capacity. And I should just say, you know, like mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. don't know exactly how this works. There are yeah. still a lot of questions about it. We do know it makes very convincing photos of fake IDs, <laughs> but we don't know everything on the back end and that sort yeah. of thing. But yes, there are competing sites where um, I haven't even reported this yet and I'll go and flesh it out. But the only fake administrator claims somebody from a rival site is trying to hack him, which is pretty interesting. Huh. And then beyond the individual websites, this synonymous administrator of OnlyFake who calls himself John Wick, it's not actually Kanye <laughs> Reeves, even though he uses the password photo. Uh, that would be very good, but it's not. So he calls himself John Wick, and his, I wouldn't even call it day job, it's maybe like the job before this. It seems to yeah. be that he was making... Photoshop files you could buy. And he would make very high quality files and scans. So would be like, do you need an, an Argentinian passport or whatever? Yeah. Here's the Photoshop file that you can buy. So oh. he was already doing like the manual work of that, the manual labor. And this yeah. is more the next step beyond that, which is automation. So to answer your question, yes, I don't know the full extent of the scale of the issue, but there are other sites. And this is an evolution of what I think was already a very vibrant marketplace. It's not like cyber criminals suddenly needed photos of fake IDs. It's that now somebody's automating it.
0: Right. Yeah. I figured that this world was very human labor intensive. And it's so interesting to know that, well, let's just call him John Wick. It's so interesting to know that John Wick was like, he was in this world and he was doing the labor of it, of getting high res like scans of passports and then just selling them directly, because that's how I would do it, right? I don't know yes. how, to, how else to say it. That's how I would do a crime if I was a criminal. Um, I would be like, okay, well, there's no way to to do this. I I wanted to kind of drill down on that though. We just have no proof, right? We can't tell if like okay, like these claims of neural networks, this claims of AI assisted generation, that might be marketing hokum, or it might be truthful, but we just can't know, correct?
1: Ultimately, we can't know at this moment. No, it's really, really tricky. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle in that I do think it's partly marketing, but I do think there is probably something going on on the back end like when he mentioned neural networks at one point he did specifically mention like the signatures on the id and then he is he has also said that they're going to eventually introduce a selfie generator or rather like a photo generator for the ids now That would be very interesting because we've all seen the mountain of fake LinkedIn profiles with, you know, uh, very odd looking profile photos and that sort of thing. If you can start generating people who don't exist with generative AI and use them on a fake ID, that is obviously very interesting in the cybersecurity perspective. But I also just think it's an interesting philosophical question (laughs) in that we're getting a fake ID of a fake person. Well, wait, so that's double negative. It just gets very confusing after that point, but I love it.
0: It's, it reminds me of, I don't know if I'm kicking a hornet's nest here for some listeners, but there's like this idea of like the dead internet theory, which mm-hmm. I believe is a conspiracy theory. I'm not giving it credit. Okay. Let's everybody calm down. But the idea is that most of the people who you engage online are not real. That there's so much bot activity and there's so much paid for activity and corporate accounts that a lot of what you're engaging with online on Twitter, on Instagram, on places like Reddit, are fake, like, I, that's like that's a rough word for it, but it's essentially like these aren't real opinions, these aren't real things, these aren't real contributions to the web. It's just like, it's fake, it's, it's taken over by by nonsense, by fluff. I don't, right, I don't know what the percentage is, I don't know, it's like, oh, 50%, 50, I don't know what it is, but he reminds me of that, of that idea, right? And we may get to a world where we have fake IDs, verifying fake people, <laughs> posting... Fake things? I don't know. Um but it's yeah. fun to um it's fun to uh, grapple with it, I guess before it becomes chaos. (laughs)
1: Well, well, I mean, just to briefly uh, bounce off that, it's like, again, I I agree. Like, I don't know the percentage or anything, but there is, of course, a lot of uh, fake and misleading stuff on the internet. That's obvious. But let's say there was a site like Twitter slash X or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you were a nation state, let's say, trying to create an army of bots or inauthentic accounts or whatever. And as part of that, maybe you want to verify your accounts. Or maybe in the future, Twitter... Asked everybody to verify themselves of ID, whatever. This tool would be highly beneficial to that. Absolutely. I think this would absolutely be beneficial to nation states or other like organized actors outside of, you know, cybercrime just in and of itself. I think this would be really useful to them for account creation and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it kind of gets this idea that when um when identity verification is merely a document check, all you're really doing is a document check. Like you're not verifying a person, you're verifying a piece of paper. And yes. it's so bizarre, like it's so bizarre that like but it's the only thing we have. Like it's um because we haven't figured it out, like we believe that like a piece of paper is a facsimile for truthness of a person and then we're like, well then just rely on the piece of paper. But now we can fake the piece of paper. What a wonderful world we are barreling towards. Um, I wanted to shift here again because we've talked about what these sites can do, what they offer, and all of it feels like we've avoided a big question here, which is like, aren't these just illegal? Are the sites simply illegal? And if they are, how do they keep going on without being shut down?
1: Yeah, that's a thorny one. And I I would say a couple of things. First, I would say that John Wick repeatedly claims that the service is not designed for illegal use. After I published my article, they pushed out a statement on Telegram saying, you know, we always said you can't use this for fraud. You have to use it for legal purposes only. I mean, I don't know what a legal use of this is apart from, oh, hey, here's a funny birthday present of a fake ID (laughs) or something. Like, that's a lame birthday present, (laughs) you know? Um, So there's that. And then in the same breath, he's also telling me, yes, you can use my products to bypass identity verification on a specific list of (laughs) cryptocurrency exchanges and Airbnb as well, which I found very interesting. That's what he claimed. So, but for the legality, I'm not a legal expert, but I do think there could be some interesting nuance, at least an interesting discussion in that, hey, you know, I'm not making a fake document I'm making a photo (laughs) of a fake document. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but I think there could be a. I I think lawyers are going to have a fun time talking about this when these sites eventually do get investigated, shut down, and their owners extradited or indicted or whatever. I just think there's a fun question there. Obviously, it's not going to be super fun for the administrators because I'm sure authorities will find a way to say, like, you can't do this, obviously.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of like, imagine if the question was like, well, I'm not forging currency. I'm just making photos of currency.
1: Yes, I'm making Monopoly money and, you know, that's fine. But then, you know, Monopoly is going to come after you for infringing their copyrights. You can't really win, you know.
0: (laughs) Right. Someone's going to get someone at the end of the day. Um, With this investigation, right, you did it, you reported it out, you published it. What happened afterwards?
1: Afterwards... OnlyFake slash John Wick pushed their various statements saying, you know, you can't use it for illegal purposes or that sort of thing. But most notably, the sites went completely dark. Like when you went to the relevant domain, uh, you couldn't access the website. There was radio silence for a while from OnlyFake and John Wick. I went into various Telegram groups, which are sort of like, group chats of people who either use the service or are at least very interested in it. And there's a Russian language one and an English language one. And a ton of people in both of those were saying, where's the website gone? <laughs> website down, <laughs> website down. Uh, be, be, and, then, and then very funny, this is a trade-off with journalism in that whenever I publish an article, I'm obviously sometimes exposing something by and by the same Virtue amplifying it as well. And that's something I take very seriously. And you have to decide, well, we don't necessarily want to put all the information we know in there. So we don't, you know, amplification doesn't lead to negative consequences and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's very case by case. Yeah. But th- the reason I bring that up is because some people in the Telegram group chats were like, wait, the site is down. I only learned of this today because obviously the amount of the media coverage uh, that followed it. With that being said, I mean, I took that as a piece of impact. You know, I, I, I measure my work by the impact it generates whether that's a site shutting down or a mm-hmm. company shutting down or whatever right mm-hmm. only fake says it's coming back now <laughs> and it <laughs> very very this is so amazingly ironic is that they are going to do their own KYC checks and like when you use the site you have to provide an email address and a phone number I presume so they can keep tabs on you and they're going to avoid they're going to like look out for illegal use cases as well I just find it amazing that like we added KYC to your KYC bypass and uh, okay sure I guess but like nobody's, nobody's going to use your website if you do that
0: yeah it's good to know more of what was happening behind the scenes because the way I read it right is like you put out this piece and then only fake shut down. And I was like, oh, well, they got shut down maybe because they were afraid of the coverage or maybe there was some law enforcement action. And that's what made it so strange to me where I was like, John Wick was just talking to you for your story. And it was just like, did he not understand that it would have the reach that it did? I don't understand sources who talk to journalists and then are like, well, oh, what happened when I spoke to that? Like, it feels like such a simple cause and effect, but maybe I'm oversimplifying it. Um did you ever get that sense from him that you were like this is going to change your relationship with your own business as soon as i hit publish <laughs>
1: Honestly, I didn't get that sense. I was surprised he replied to me. That's what I say. And he didn't (laughs) just reply in like snappy one word or one sentence responses. Like he basically wrote me an essay about how (laughs) this service, you know, allegedly worked and what it could be used for and that sort of thing uh, in a very long couple of telegram messages. I do think when. He shut down the site at least temporarily. My impression was that he got spooked. Like I'm not in this guy's head. I can't know for sure, yeah, but it yeah, yeah. looked it looked like a, a move of panic and then figuring out what to do. To answer your question on sort of why, you know, why would a journalist talk to people like this? I mean, yeah, it's a real mix. Sometimes you have people who will simply never ever apply to me. Some of them will talk to me and they'll feel okay about it. And Mm -hmm. then some immediately regret it. And I think it's somewhere on the latter side of that in that he maybe didn't realize how much this would blow up. You know, like he's making his website. He's bringing in, I found over $20,000 worth of Bitcoin in an address linked to the website. He deals in lots of other cryptocurrencies as well. He's kind of just doing his job, you know. And then this journalist (laughs) comes along and basically blows up his spot. I don't think he anticipated that. I don't want to speak for him, but that was my read on the situation.
0: Yeah, no, I th- I think that makes sense, too. I mean, as a cybersecurity company, like, we're dealing with threats. And, like, one of the big things that I think always upsets us is, um like, ransomware operators, right? To take a different threat actor here. Like, we hate ransomware. Like, we, like, genuinely can't stand this stuff. And we think the people who make it are, are just vile. But there are other publications out there that just, like, talk to ransomware operators. And they treat them with, like, a very... Light touch is what I'll say diplomatically, like kindly. I've seen coverage that uh, spoke to like ransomware operators and they refer to their ransomware as their latest product. They're like, oh, what updates have you made to this product? And that kind of stuff is so infuriating, but it may contribute to this idea that you can still uh, have this operation like this, which can assist in fraud. And you can maybe think like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll talk to a journalist. It's totally chill. What's going to (laughs) happen? Yeah. Yeah this may be the first time he's ever seen something like this happen. It it could be.
1: Yeah. And and I'm glad you bring up the ransomware thing, because that touches on something which Mm. I'm always incredibly interested in. Because I've been speaking to criminals, and that includes hackers and other sorts of cyber criminals, uh, drug traffickers as well, uh, hitmen I've spoken to. And a lot of people will automatically say, you shouldn't, talk to these people or give them a platform. Hmm. I definitely agree with not giving them a platform, but there is a yeah. bit of nuance to it in that there can be a public interest in speaking to criminals, and that includes cyber criminals. I agree with you that some of the outlets that publish ransomware author or distributors' interviews can be very light touch, and they're basically yeah. printing verbatim what these people say. It's a press release. Right, <laughs> basically, yes. You're, you're, yeah. being, you're being used for that. and. It really boils down to, well, is what I'm asking in the public interest and is what they're providing in the public interest. I mean, just one example that came to mind was, it definitely wasn't the most illuminating interview in the world, but I managed to establish contact with the shadow brokers back in the day. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. the company, the, uh, the wow. company, sorry, the the uh, <laughs> the threat actor group. I was I nearly just said the Kremlin, like, straight out loud as well. Whatever <laughs> I mean, but, like, the the entity, let say, yeah. that leaks yeah. um, the cache of NSA ex- exploits, that yeah. sort of thing. That yeah, yeah, I yeah. I didn't get get much out of them at all, to be perfectly honest. It's a very Mm -hmm. brief Q&A, but Mm -hmm. it was just insane to be able to get in touch with the shadow brokers. That is not the case with a lot of ransomware actors because they like talking to the media now. And I've seen that develop over years where I used to talk to an extortion cybercrime group called the Dark Overlord. And then... Mm They would steal data and they would uh, leak it online to extort people, and that was pretty novel at the time. You know, nearly coming on ten years, eight years uh, at this point, and then it became very standard operating procedure for the big ransomware gangs. Now, the public interest in talking to a lot of these ransomware groups is next to nil. You know, it really depends mm-hmm. what they say and what you're asking.
0: Yeah, we should speak to these folks. We should ask them questions in the public interest, right? And they should. Like what's the worst? Like oh, I'm going to make a ransomware operator feel uncomfortable in an interview. Like what's the like? I I yeah, exactly. Like who? Like it's completely fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's disappointing sometimes to see this light touch coverage, this um, borrowing of their own verbiage. You know, that's not our job. Um, all of that is to say. Joseph, thank you again for coming on today's show, for talking about this, for talking about fake IDs. I am excited to see what happens to only fake in the future, and I would love to know if they actually roll out those quality controls. Um, It seems just, like you said, very ironic. But again, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Thank you
1: so much. I really enjoyed talking.
0: To our listeners, we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Until then, stay tuned and stay safe. And remember, you can read all our cybersecurity coverage on Mauerbytes Labs at mauerbytes.com slash blog. Finally, our intro music is by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com and our outro music is by Woa from Unminus.com. Today's show has been edited by our podcast consultant, Eric Johnson at lightningpod.fm. Thank you, folks.